You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Well, welcome in, everybody. MLB.com Extras, and it is a special edition NLCS preview with the New York Mets. I'm Dave Raymond with Anthony DiComo. Anthony, you're fresh off covering that, that Game 5 victory in L.A., getting ready to come home for this series against the Cubs. Uh, I, I just start with your, your thoughts about uh, you know about the Mets advancing and the effort that they gave in LA to get here. Yeah, it was uh, it was a heck of an effort. I mean, they they knew going in that that almost certainly they were going to have to face Clayton Kershaw twice and Zach Ricky twice in the series, which is exactly what happened. And you know, if that's the case, you got to beat that combination at least two times, and maybe you get a win against Fred Anderson in the other game. So this, that's what they were looking at going in, and, and it's a tall task regardless of, of what issues the Dodgers might have had. Uh, when you're facing pitchers of that caliber, uh, we, we really didn't know how the Mets were going to respond because they hadn't faced too many pitchers of that ilk coming down the stretch. Uh, they had an easy schedule coming down the stretch. Uh, there was no certainty that they would be able to hit these guys. And uh, not that they knocked them around the ballpark or tattooed them or anything like that, but they certainly came through. Um, Daniel Murphy was the poster child for all of it. Uh, he hit three home runs off Kershaw and Grinky in the series. So uh, really, they showed the resiliency. They, they showed what they're all about, and they showed that they can compete with anybody. Now it's going to be interesting going into series against the Cubs, who they were 0-7 against during the season, but all seven of those games came before this team really gelled into what it is now. It came before the Cespedes trade. It came before all the trades they made. And uh, so, you know, you can throw the history out the windows. It's going to be a fun series. Uh, it should be a good competitive series, and um, we'll see how it goes. The Mets are definitely on a high right now coming off uh, that win in L.A. It's funny you mentioned the, the, the seven games of the Cubs earlier this year. A lot of people have focused on the fact that all seven were won by the Cubs. You point out, though, that was pre-Saspitus. Uh, David Wright was injured. Um, and, I mean, Let's face it, some of the pitching has come a long way and matured quite a bit since then as well. Um, Cubs, Cubs have made some moves, too. They, they've, they've tweaked things just a little bit. Kyle Schwarber wasn't a part of those, those seven games um, back in the day. Um, but, but how different really is this team? I mean, uh, as I watch them now, I, I see these young pitchers lighten up the radar gun, and it's phenomenal. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of awe-inspiring what they're able to do. Have they matured that much in, in this, you know, in the span of a couple of months? Are they really that different a team? The, the, I mean, it's night and day how different they are. And I'll touch on the pitching briefly because you mentioned it. I mean, you look at a guy like Noah Syndergaard, for example, has always had fantastic stuff throughout his rookie season, maybe some of the best stuff in baseball. Um, he looks just so much more confident, so much more poised. To the point where if you're Terry Collins, you trust this guy implicitly now, where you might not have back in May when the Mets were playing the Cubs the first time and he was fresh up from the minors. Um, you know, Jacob DeGrom, a lot of players in the clubhouse last night said Jacob DeGrom's performance in Game 5 against the Dodgers was far more impressive than what he did in Game 1 when he set a Mets franchise postseason strikeout record because he faced a lot of adversity last night. He did not have his good stuff. He certainly did not have his good command and he battled through it. So uh, just getting these guys, these pitchers, a little battle-tested uh, makes them that much more fearsome 
in the playoffs. And I think if you're the Mets, you have a lot more confidence in these guys. Um, but the real difference is on offense. Um, you know, when the Cubs last saw the Mets, this was a historically bad Mets offense. They were, they were challenging the 1962 Mets for, for ineptitude at the plate, really. Uh, they couldn't hit. They couldn't score runs. They couldn't hit with power. Nothing they were doing was working. And they were putting out lineups, frankly, of some players that probably didn't belong in the major leagues. Uh, they've done a total 180, and it hasn't just been Cespedes. It's been, like you said, getting David Wright back. Uh, it's It's been Travis Darno coming back from the disabled list and being healthy and hitting Uh, it's been so many of these guys who, who have gotten the job done for them that you really, if you're the Cubs and you're scouting this series and you're in the video room, uh, it's unrecognizable. This, this Mets team was the worst in baseball, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging, you name it, right up until July 25th, which is the day that Kelly Johnson and Juan Uribe made their debuts for the Mets. And, and since that time, the Mets have been the best offense in the National League, better than the Cubs, better than anyone. So uh, it, it's just, you really can't compare it. It's a totally different team. It's like, you know, looking at some of those minor league seasons where they divided into first half champion and second half champion. I mean, the Mets were the second half champion of the national league. And, uh, you know, you can, like I said, you can throw all that stuff out the window. What, what happened when the Mets and Cubs met the first time. And I'm not saying the Mets are going to win, uh, but it's going to look different. It's going to look much different out on the field than what you saw back in uh, May and June. Yeah, no, there's no question. The offense, Profoundly different, averaging better than five runs a game in the second half. Even though, you know that that really hasn't been, you know, the focus, I guess, or the highlight of this postseason yet. Right? I mean, we, they, they've done it with some some incredible pitching, and I think your point about Degrom in the clincher and and not having his great command, but yet still being able to get through uh, that lineup several times and and and. Hitch his way through it, shows some of that maturity. The names come up now a couple of times. Anthony, you've said Daniel Murphy's name at least twice. Um, we would be uh, remiss if, if we didn't discuss just a little bit his performance to this point. Phenomenal. I mean, really almost hard to put into words just how valuable he was in that series. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think over the last eight years, which is how long Daniel Murphy has been around, um, he's one of the most underrated players in Mets history. And, you know, I've contributed just like everyone else. Uh, when Daniel Murphy first came up in 2008, I think most people had barely heard of the guy. Um, and then along the line, he just developed this reputation. He didn't have a defensive position. He was bad defensively. He tried second base. He wasn't a second baseman, but he ultimately stuck there. Um, you know, he's made so many base running errors over the years, so many things that make you scratch your head and question his value. Uh, the one thing he's always done is hit. And uh, he's been remarkably consistent. He's stayed remarkably healthy. He's been the one guy uh, through all the down years that the Mets could count on for that 280 to 300 batting average. Uh, he's always in, you know, the low double-digit homers around that area. He'll steal some bases and so on and so forth. Uh, but it was funny about, you know, he had those home runs. He had a big home run off Grinky last night. He had two home runs off Clayton Kershaw. Uh, but it, it's funny that I really think his biggest contribution was that stolen base against the defensive shift, uh, just a heads-up play when Zach Greinke and Corey Seager and whoever else weren't really paying attention to him. And, you know, the joke has always been that Daniel Murphy does these funny things on the bases uh, that you almost laugh at because it's like he thinks he's invisible. Well, last night he really was invisible. And that play, if the Mets go on and do something really special here, Uh, that play is going to be a huge reason why that's going to be on all the highlight reels. 
uh, the Mets just quite frankly wouldn't have won this series without Daniel Murphy. And, and we went into the NLDS looking at Cespedes, looking at David Wright, Lucas Duda, all these guys who you think of when you think of the Mets offense before you think of Daniel Murphy. But it, it, it wound up being Murphy who was the most important piece. And, uh, you know, good for him. For a guy who's been through the down years, we've talked so much about David Wright. But Daniel Murphy's been here since 2008. And for him to enjoy the success that he has enjoyed, it, it's got to be just terrific for him. Yep, agreed. Um, really, really cool stuff for him. Who, if you were to pick a guy out who would who would be a big player in this NLCS, who is not the obvious, right? Not Johannes Cespedes, um, you know, kind of a Daniel Murphy emergence on that big stage. Is there a guy, bullpen, bench, that you would you would pull out? You know what, a guy, a guy that I always look to for questions like these is Travis Darno because. He goes so far under the radar with some of these other guys. And really, when this offense has been good, when it's been chugging along, Darno has quietly gotten lots of big hits. He's got great power. Um, you know, he, he's going to play every day for the Mets in the playoffs. And, and really, they missed him so much earlier this year when he was hurt. Uh, he's had trouble his entire career staying healthy since he came back from the disabled list in late July. I think that was overlooked amidst all the trades, amidst Lucas Duda getting hot. David Wright coming back. Um, Travis Darno is a machine offensively for most of the second half of the season. And, uh, you know, if he can come through, especially, you know, the Mets are going to be facing a left-hander in game one. He'll be bumped up in the batting order, probably hitting fifth. Um, If he can come through and give them some good at-bats, it just makes the whole thing deeper, Uh, especially with the way Lucas Duda struggled, especially with the way David Wright struggled. And even Cespedes hit a home run. Um, in game two of the NLDS, but he struggles for most of the series and, and looked lost at times at the plate. So I think Travis Darno is definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, he's not a guy who tends to slump for very long, and uh, I think he could be a difference maker for sure. Okay, last, last quick thing for you, Anthony. I know you got a plane to catch. Uh, the Cubs have been sitting around since Tuesday. They won. They clinched on Tuesday. they got to wait all the way till Saturday to get going. Uh, Mets kind of keep their – their momentum rolling right into this National League Championship Series. Uh, we, we can obviously point out all the advantages of having a little rest, but is there maybe an advantage to just sort of continuing to, to chug forward? I mean, you, you get to you may not get to set up your pitching, and yet Matt Harvey starting game one, they have to feel pretty good, right? Yeah, well, I'll tell you in a week if there's an advantage or not. Um, you know, obviously the Cubs uh, – got to set up their pitching a little more how they'd like it than the Mets did. Um, in a perfect world, if you're the Mets, you have Jacob DeGrom start game one, and he's not going to wind up being available until uh, game three. But, you know, that's the benefit of this Mets rotation. They're so deep that really your top two options are off the board for game one, and you still have Matt Harvey pitching game one. You're going to have a Matt Harvey who's going to be jacked up. He's going to be ready to pitch. Um, look, momentum as the cliche goes, momentum is as good as the next day's starting pitcher. And both teams have great starting pitchers going in game one, Matt Harvey, John Lester. Uh, Lester obviously has a ton of playoff experience. He's been through this, but uh, Matt Harvey is eager to prove that all the bad press, all the bad pub that he got in September, um, he's eager to push that all aside and show that he's committed to the team, that he's committed to pitching, that he's committed to winning. Uh, he didn't pitch all that well in his one start in the NLDS. I have a feeling, um, well, I know he's going to be jacked up to pitch well in the NLCS. So as far as rest goes, 
uh, the Cubs being more rested than Mets and so on and so forth. I'm not sure it really plays a big role. Whoever pitches better in game one is probably going to win that game, and whoever wins game one is going to have a nice leg up on winning the series. So a uh, great pitching matchup, and uh, I'm excited to see how it, how it turns out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt you and you and the rest of us. Uh, I'll let you go, but I do. I know I already promised that was the last question, but is there one element of either of these two teams you think makes the difference in this series? You know, the, what's funny about these, I know this is a cop-out answer, what's funny about these two teams is that really there's no one guy that you can look at and say, well, if he has a great series, uh, this team is going to win. Um, I, I think if I had to choose one for the Mets, I would point to Cespedes just because he has been, you know, that focal point of, of their season. He is the guy that you can point to as, as when their season changed, how it changed. And uh, granted, he hasn't been their best player really since the first week of September. Uh, but if he gets hot, he's the one guy who you could look at from the Mets as having the ability to just put the team on his back take the series in his hands and, and almost single-handedly win it. Um, and if you're the Cubs, you probably could say the same thing about Jake Arrieta, who was the best pitcher on planet Earth, a really uh, historically number, historic numbers in the second half. So um, that's a matchup I'm going to be eager to see in game two would be Arietta versus Cespedes. And uh, those are two guys who really, I think, one for each team could single-handedly change the course of the series. Yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I hope, uh, I hope you have a very pleasant flight home. Enjoy this series, and um, we'll enjoy reading all about it. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate that. It's going to be fun. Take care. Okay. Anthony DeColo, MLB.com Extras, the National League Championship Series preview. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.